Sing it again. You took and you take our sins away. You took, you take our sins away, oh God. You
expressions, all the artwork in the world can never truly express you, Lord. But we will try. We will do our best because, Lord, you are worthy of our praise. There are so many things about you that we can praise. Your great love, your mercy, your kindness, your faithfulness, your gentleness. But we will try, Lord. We will continue to try with, with words descriptions that only apply to you. Let's sing these words together. Unshakable, immovable, faithful and true.
Welcome to Harvest Community Church. We're so glad you're here with us this morning. Can you remain standing and go ahead and greet one another and find a mother and tell them Happy Mother's Day. Open your bulletin with me. I think inside your bulletin today we have our welcome card that's in a little uh, purple insert this time. Uh, especially if you're visiting us with us, we ask that you go ahead and fill out that welcome card. And if you have any prayer requests, there's a, a team of, uh, of prayer warriors that are dedicated to pr- lifting up your pr- uh, prayers. So uh, by all means, please share your prayer requests with us. Let's look at our, um, our announcement for today. Uh, please support our Honduras missions team by bringing in, older, in your old glasses. Um, there's a team that will be going down to Honduras, which we'll be hearing more as the months pass on as they approach their trip. But we're really excited to be able to support them and be a part of it. And so if you have old glasses, please bring them in. Seniors will have Bible study on Thursday, May 18th, 1215 at Irvine Presbyterian Church. Uh, The park will meet this Saturday, May 20th, 7 to 9, same as usual. And this is really cool. We have two uh, special events coming up. Our dance outreach fundraiser, May 27th. Really cool because it's bringing awareness uh, for our fundraising, for our building fund. But it's going to be a lot of fun to just hang out and to be able to... uh, uh, participate in this. So that's coming up May 27th, 1 to 3 at the Senior Center. Uh, tickets are on sale. And um, also, as a really fun fundraiser, barbecue. Who doesn't like barbecue? Sunday, June 4th. And again, bringing awareness uh, for our Honduras team so they can identify themselves, so we could uh, mingle with them and, and they can get up in front of us and, and we could be a part of what they're going to be doing this, mis- this summer as part of the mission trip. Really, really cool stuff. And then down below, we want to uh, certainly keep our, our, the Honduras mission teams in our prayer. We want to remember the Campbells and just to c- continue to pray for them, that God continues to guide them. And uh, pray for our promised land, that we continue to find more teachers and to continue to build that ministry there. Well, without further ado, we have a special presentation this morning. Let's give them a hand. Yay!
Western have a presentation for you today. Um, our hope is that you will receive it with joy as um, I was telling the children that we are making a joyful noise unto the Lord and for our parents. So we've only had three weeks to prepare um, and uh, we've been practicing with uh, to the best of our ability. And so <laughs> smile along with the children and we pray that you will be blessed.
time, you guys take a bow. Take a bow. Ready? One, two, three. For us. So all the mothers, can you please stand up? No longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality as to indulge in every kind of impurity. And they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing, doing something useful in their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just in Christ God forgave you. Thank you, Al. I want to pray. I want to pray for us. I want to pray for our moms. Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful day that we get to stand upon the word of God. Lord, that there is something here in your word today that teaches us truth and righteousness, and it humbles us. Lord, we think of our moms, and for most of us, we have been so blessed to have a mom who has sacrificed and who has given of herself for us, and they're here today. We thank you for them. We pray that you would encourage them on this day as we think of them. And for our moms that are outside of this auditorium, we pray that as we greet them today, as we call them or spend time with them, they would feel your love through us. And most of all, Father, we thank you for your love to us because your love is as a compassionate mother. You care for us. You've given us life. You've clothed us with righteousness. Lord, help us to receive this close today. In Jesus' name, amen. So on this Mother's Day, um, it's just great how God always works out the timing, that we're able to think about the things that moms and dads, but mostly moms, do for us. 
And that is not only do they give us life, but they clothe us. They, they take care of us. They feed us. They make sure that we're safe. And today we've read, as we've already heard, the word of God that tells that God gives us clothes. Um, we don't make clothes. God gives us clothes. And even for most of us, we don't wear clothes that we made. We went to the store and we bought it. And, and we like new things. One of my favorite memories was actually 16 years ago this month um, when I began my first day of harvest. And um, we had been driving down from Thousand Oaks and we came down here and we had packed up the kids to get down here and we forgot to put the shoes on Nathaniel. Um, we put him in the car and he's little, he's like two and a half years old. And um, we put him in the car and we get down here and we're almost here at, at harvest and we realize, oh my gosh, he has no shoes. So we had a little time, so we went over to the Target over there, and we bought him shoes. And I'll always remember this, is when we walked out of the store, he was looking down at his feet. It's almost like he couldn't walk because he was so happy just looking at his new shoes. And he just wanted to keep seeing as if, like, how do they work? You know, it was just awesome, and he was so happy. And I think about that for us. It's like we like new things, and, and God wants to give us new clothes he wants us to understand that there are things in this world that can last forever. Now, the clothes that, that we buy, the shoes that we wear, they're all wear out, right? Or we grow and, and we have to get new things or styles change. But the clothes that God gives us is eternal. The clothes that God offers to us never wears out, never goes out of style. God wants us to always have these things. But before we can put on the new, we have to understand what the old was. Because that old continues to sort of work against us. There's, there's always this pressure to put on the old clothes of this world, to do things that we shouldn't do, and, and to be in a life that we once were supposed to have gotten rid of. Now God wants to put us something new. So as we look in the scriptures, we see what those old things were. That's where Paul begins in Ephesians Chapter 4, verses 17 through 21. And let me read this to you. And this is what our old life was supposed to be like. So I tell you this, and insistent in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. They've lost all sensitivity. They've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. This, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. So Paul is talking here to the Ephesian church, and what's really interesting is the Ephesian church was mostly made up of Gentiles. It was mostly Gentiles. And so when we read this, Paul's saying to them, don't live as the Gentiles do, right? In other words, what he's saying to them is, don't live the old life you used to have. Does God love Gentiles? Of course he does. If you were to look at the beginning of chapter 3 in Ephesians, verse 1 and 2, you'll see that God loves the Gentiles. God saved the Gentiles. God brought the Gentiles into union with God's people. But he doesn't want us. And all of us here, I think, are Gentiles. And so we are not Jews. We had a way of life that was of this world. 
But now God says, I want you to give that up. I want you to put on new clothes. I want you to realize there was an old life you used to live, but now there's a new life that you can live. And so for us to do this, God wants us to know that there are things that are important for us to remember. And so we read in verse 22, you were taught in regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. And so God wants us to put off our old selves. And there's, there's a reason why we're to put off our old selves is so that we are to be made new in the attitude of our minds, to be made new in the attitude of our minds. And this is where new things begin. We have to want them. They have to be something in our heart. You know, our parents can give us clothes, okay, and we can put them on, and we can wear them, all right? But if we don't like them, we'll probably want to take them off and put on our own clothes that we do like. Well, the clothes that God gives to us is is beautiful, and the clothes that God gives to us is powerful. And God wants us to have this newness, but it's more than something we wear on the outside. It's something that we put on on the inside. What's interesting is that this is what God does for us. We put on the clothes, but God makes us new. We have these actions that we do, but when we do them, we don't make ourselves pure. We don't make ourselves holy. God does that for us. And so this, the verb, be, to be made new, is, is a passive verb. In other words, it's something that happens to us. Now, the active part for us is we put off and we put on. That's what we do. But what God does is when we do that, God makes us new. In the book of Romans, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, we see the same thing as Paul's teaching, that there's something that you and I do, but when we do it, there's something else that God does for us within us. And so in verses 1 and 2 of Romans 12, the Bible says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. So that's what we do. We present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So when we offer our lives to God, he happily receives them. And then it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your minds. And so this word conformed and transformed, they're passive verbs. These are things that happen to us. It's one of these two things is happening to us all the time. Either we are being conformed to this world from the pressures that are around us, from the old clothes that we're going to look at, or we're being transformed by God. God does that for us when we put off the old clothes and put on the new clothes. God transforms us. We don't transform ourselves. Just like we don't make our own clothes, we put them on. So we've taken off our old clothes, and then God says, I want you to put on the new self. Put on the new self in verse 24. Put it on, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Again, this is the active part of our lives. We put on the new self. We put on this stuff that God has given to us that has been made so that we will be all the people God wants us to be. Now, to be able to do this, God says there are certain things that are always going to pressure against us. Even though we are new people, the world is still an old world. 
And the old world that we still live in, this atmosphere, this environment, it still presses against us certain things that work against the life of God in us. And so we have to put off those things, and then we have to put on something else. And so the first thing that God wants us to put off is falsehood, is lying. Verse 25, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and, and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Now, what's important for us to see here is when you buy clothes, right? When you go buy clothes and you look in the mirror, what's the first thing you're thinking of? It's like you're thinking, is, does it look good on me, right? You know, do I look good? You know, and so you want to put this clothes on because you think it makes you look good. Now, God says that's not why you put on the clothes. You don't put on the clothes so that you look good. You put on the clothes so that other people are blessed by how you look. Okay? Now, now the illustration of this um, happened early on in my marriage. All right? Because um, as a single guy for a long time, um, I, I, you know, and without a lot of money, um, I would just have certain clothes and they would get very comfortable, right? You know, they get very worn out too. And so when I got married, I would just keep wearing my old clothes, right? I didn't have any new clothes yet, new wardrobe. I got married and, and Carol would look at me and she goes, don't you have something else to wear? And I said, um, no, I like these clothes. I've had them for years and um, they're really comfortable. I like them. And she goes, no, no, you need new clothes. And I said, I like these clothes. And she goes, yeah, but you don't have to look at you. <laughs> now, that's the point that Paul's trying to make. See, we are members of one body. We're not wearing this clothes for ourselves to look good. We're wearing it because other people are seeing it and it touches their lives. When they see our clothes, they're blessed. When they see how we live, they are blessed. And so Paul tells us, okay, so first thing you have to do is take off deception. Take off deception. Don't try to deceive the body of Christ. Don't try to deceive somebody else. Take that off, and what you want to do is you want to live a life of truthfulness. Put on truthfulness. So the opposite of a life of falsehood is a life of truthfulness. Paul says in Ephesians 4.15, speaking the truth in love to one another. We have to take off, and then we have to put on. Now, now some people get sort of halfway there. All right, They know, like, I shouldn't lie. And so they put off falsehood, and they try not to lie, but then they don't do anything else different in their life. They just try not to lie, and they just keep going on living. But that's like taking off your clothes and walking around naked, right? Because you haven't put anything else back on yet. And what Paul is saying and what God wants us to do is not just take clothes off and then just say, oh, I did it, I took off all the bad stuff, but you're standing there without anything on, and God says, no, you've got to put something else on. So, so a liar is no, longer a, is no longer a liar just because he stops lying. All right? A liar is no longer a liar when he or she speaks the truth. 
The liar's no longer a liar when he does something else. And, and that, that wasn't for me. I was listening to a sermon. I don't know who the guy was. I was listening to a sermon this week. And that was a great point that I got from his sermon. Is that you're no longer a liar when you just stop lying, but when you start speaking the truth. And then he goes on, Paul says, I want you to put off anger. So in verse 26, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. See, God doesn't want us to be angry out of control. Now, there can be a good anger, and this one obviously is the bad anger. The word here, this word anger is orgy, right? It's it's passion out of control. It's rage. And God is saying, I don't want you to have this. This happens to us when we're, when we're defensive, self-defensive, when we're self-righteous, when, when we want to hurt back, or we get so angry and we're just going to unload on that other person. That's anger out of control. Now, God gets angry. God has wrath. God gets angry at sin. Jesus got angry. Jesus got angry at those people who refused to do good things just because they had rules. And they had to obey these rules. Like on the Sabbath, you couldn't heal. Jesus got so angry at the Pharisees that day when Jesus was going to heal this man. It happened to be the Sabbath day. And when the people wouldn't allow Jesus to do it or the religious leaders wouldn't allow Jesus to do it, he got angry. Why? Because he wanted to do good. And he still did the good. But we see in that point that God and Jesus, there is a righteous anger that we can sometimes have. This one is talking about a devilish anger. An anger that puts us in so much danger that we are going to be consumed by it. And so we must be careful because wherever there's anger, you can be certain that Satan is sort of lurking nearby. And he wants to take that anger that we have and he wants to use it against others, against the body of Jesus, and against ourselves because it, it hurts us when we hurt other people. And so Paul is saying here, you know, you're going to take off anger and you can't just like stand there naked. You've got to put something else on. What is it that you put on? You put on gentleness. You put on gentleness. Proverbs chapter 15 verse 1 says, a gentle answer deflects anger. A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. Harsh words make tempers flare. You know, this happens to me. I'll, I'll get angry, but, but I'm learning. I'm learning. So somebody says something to me, and it, it ticks me off. And, and the first thing I have to do, remember, is like, first of all, don't say anything. Okay, don't say anything. Don't, don't, don't try to return the anger. Don't, don't try to um, defend yourself. But, but it's hard, right? It's hard. But in that moment of silence, what God would want us to do is like to think, okay, how can I be gentle in reply? How can I be gentle in reply? How can I respond not with harshness but with gentleness? Because if I respond the way I want to do it, just make the fire worse. I just, they throw something at me, I throw something at them, they throw something bigger, I try to find something bigger to throw back. And it just turns into a big old mess. 
in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 8. It says, a hot-tempered man stirs up dissension. A hot-tempered man stirs up dissension. But a patient man calms a quarrel. A patient man calms a quarrel. And so God wants us to take off anger And he wants us to know that we are no longer angry people, not just because we don't say something that's angry, but when we say something that's gentle, when we say something that's healing, when we say something that's appropriate, God wants us to be clothed with gentleness. The third thing that God wants us to take off is he wants us to take off stealing. He wants to take off stealing. Now, in verse 28, it says, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer. Okay, that's taking it off. Now, they're, now once they're, they're naked, they've got to put something back on. What do they put on? But he must work. Doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. So a thief is no longer a thief when he just stops stealing. Right? A thief is no longer a thief when they start giving. And they start working for the very purpose of giving. Now, there's a lot of reasons to work. The Bible teaches us that we, if we don't work, we don't eat. The Bible teaches us to work to take care of our families. The Bible teaches us to work so that we are part of a family that works together. But here the Bible's telling us there's another reason why we ought to work, and it ought to be included in everything else that we do, and that is we ought to work so that we have a little left over to give to other people. We ought to work so that we are able to be generous. We ought to work so that we have a work ethic that's just not about me. But I want to work so that I can give. I want to work so that other people be blessed. And so this is what we put on. We want to put on a generous work ethic. We want to put on a heart that is generous, that's eager to work hard so that you have something so that you can give to others so that you can give, so that others have a little bit more where they don't have what they need, but you help supply their needs. God wants us to be part of this family of generosity. He wants us to be part of this family that's willing to sacrifice for the sake of others. But what's so important in this, what I see in this is that what God is saying is that I want you to be an unselfish people. I want you to wear clothes that when other people see your clothes, what they see in you is unselfishness. They see that you are a safe person to be around because you are willing to give them something. You are willing, in a certain sense we might say that you're willing to give the clothes or the shirt off your back for them. You are working in such a way that the clothes that you have, you want to share and put it on other people. God wants us to be that kind of people. Now, our words are are very powerful. And so even though we we talked about falsehood, Paul is talking about that as as a heart issue. It's a deception issue. It's an issue of truth. But now we want to talk about words that we actually use from moment to moment with other people. Words that talk, words that share, words that encourage, words that build up, not words that tear down. And so in verse 29... Paul tells us, this is what you got to put off. He said, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Now, this word, unwholesome talk, it means rotten 
It means putrid. It means decay. Now, how many of you have ever seen a decaying orange inside of a bag of other oranges? I have, right? In fact, just had one a couple weeks ago. You know, you buy those mandarin oranges in a bag. And so, you know, I was picking one out, and it, it, it had all that sort of green powdery stuff on it. And it's like, oh, that's gross. So I looked in the bag, and right in the middle, there was an orange like that big one there. It was just all green and yucky and smelly. And what was happening is it was causing the other oranges around it to get corrupted as well. It was making the other oranges get rotten. Now, we don't want to be that kind of people. And we don't want to be around that kind of people, right? We don't want to be the the rotten orange. We don't want to be the rotten apple. You know, we want to be people who have the right words. We don't want to have corrupt words. We don't want to spread decay. What spreads decay? Rumors spread decay. Where you talk about something you don't really know if it's true, but it just sort of sounded good to share with somebody else. You're not 100% sure that's true, but you know what? Yeah, I, I want to share it anyway. That's a rumor. Now, there's other things that, that, that spread decay, right? And that's like slander. Slanders. When you say something, it could be true about somebody else, but you say it with somebody else because you want that person to have a bad reputation or just makes you feel good to say something bad about somebody else. And when you do, you hurt that other person. You've, you've slandered them. You've said something that's wrong, and it hurts the body. It hurts yourself as well. And it, it makes you putrefying as well. It, it causes rottenness to start to, to build up on us. And God says, no, don't do that. Don't use these ugly, rotten words that spread decay. Instead, use words that build people up, that edify people. So, so take off bad, corrupt words, and put on encouraging, helpful, loving words, edifying words. In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus says, for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you know what happens is, if I hear you hear bad words, you know what I know? Is there something bad in your heart? If I hear you say good words, you know what I know? I know there's something good in your heart. And what's interesting is that if you choose to use good words, it also choose, it's also a way of affecting your heart. It feeds the good things in your heart. So when you want to say something bad, but you choose to say something good instead, what happens is your heart begins to change towards the good thing. God is transforming us. Remember that we can't transform ourselves. We can only say the good things. Like I can say good things about people and not mean it. Okay. But the more I learn to say good things about people, the more I will learn to mean it. And then God will begin to work in my heart. So let's say like you have problems with your spouse. Okay, we all have problems with our spouse. Right? And so you, you, typically you respond with a bad word, right? Well, what happens? What happens to that? Not only do they want to respond with a bad word to you, but, but now you've, you've fed the seed of decay in your own heart. And you spread it out to them as well. And so they want to they respond kind. But what happens if I say a good word? Even though I don't mean it, right? You know, I say, oh, honey, you look so beautiful today, you know. And I, I don't really feel like that's true, all right? But, you know, I just like, okay, but, 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 but I'll just say it. 
Hey, honey, you look so beautiful today. Yeah. Okay, no, no, you don't look so beautiful today. Okay, but if I keep saying it, okay, and I, I learn that that's the right thing to say, okay, I begin to realize I mean it. I begin to realize that this is what is true of my spouse. And that blesses them. Do they want to respond negatively to me? No. They want to respond positively to me. So we got to take off that which causes our spouse or causes our friend or causes our brother or sister, or causes our coworker to respond negatively to us because we kind of started it by saying the bad thing. And God says, I want you to stop it. Take it off. Don't stand there naked. But say something good. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18 says, Reckless words pierce. Reckless words pierce like a sword. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. The tongue of the wise brings healing. So when somebody says something bad to you, what does God want you to do with your tongue? He wants you to bring healing, not bring out the sword, but to bring healing. How do we do that? Paul says to Colossians, let your conversation always be full of grace. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And so we want to have a conversation that blesses people. Grace means you might give them something they don't deserve. Salt means you want to say something that preserves that relationship or that makes that relationship taste a little better to bring out the flavor in this relationship. That God wants us to have this edifying speech that blesses other people. That we've put this on. God gives us the opportunity. He'll empower us to do this. The last thing that God wants us to put off is bitterness. See, it says there in verse 31, get rid of all bitterness. But it's really related to the verse before as well, in verse 30, where it says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. What, what grieves the Spirit of God? What, what grieves God? Bitterness. These are the things that, that grieve God. Just like as, as a parent, one thing I've learned as a parent getting older is that when my kids were little and they did something bad, um, I, was, I would want to try to correct them. Okay, I'd want to try to correct them. But as a parent, as I've gotten older and I see my children as adults, if they do something bad, what happens is I, I, I grieve. I grieve more. I, I hurt more. I, I know I no longer am able to fix it. I'm no longer able to discipline them. But now they're adults and they're making their own decisions. And if they do something that's not right, I know I can't just go and say, go to your room. Right? Or you don't get dinner tonight. Or go, just go do your homework. You know, I can't say that anymore. Right? And so I realize that as a parent, as, as my kids have gotten older, what happens if I see something that happens that I think they did that's wrong, I grieve. It hurts. Because I know I, I can't force them to change. And, you know, God won't force us to change. But I think he looks down at us. And everybody in this room is at that stage already. 
you're, before God, you're already at this stage where he's saying, even for our youth, he's saying you're big enough now, you're old enough now to know what's right, you want to have, have responsibility, you want to have independence, great, you have it. But you know what? You've got to make the right decisions. Because when we don't, it grieves the Holy Spirit. It grieves God. And, and bitterness is one of the first things that grieves God. He wants us to get rid of that bitter, tasteless, yucky, evil that can be in our hearts and, and just holds a grudge against other people. And we can't do this on our own. It's interesting because get rid of is also passive. It, it's something that happens as we do something else. And so what we have to do, the something else, is we have to go to God. We have to go to God to help us to do these things, to get rid of, because he's the one who will remove all these things. In Luke chapter 11, verse 13, the Bible says, so if you sinful people, if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? That's all of God's children. That's the little baby ones, and that's the adult ones. That's all of us here, that as God's children, he will give us the Holy Spirit. He will give us the Holy Spirit to help us so that then we can get rid of. He will help us to be rid of all these things. And, and from bitterness, what are these things that God helps us to get rid of? He helps us to get of rage. He helps us to get rid of that furious outburst, that, that un uncontrollable spirit within us where we lose control. But God does this through the Holy Spirit. It's like a shower that comes across us. See, see, what we can do, if we keep using the metaphor here, is we can take off our clothes, okay? But what God does is he says, now go into the shower. Go into the shower. And I will rid you of these things through my Holy Spirit. I will rid you of anger. I will rid you of brawling, which is, you know, it's like, Anger out of control turns into screaming and yelling and violence. And then it turns into slander where you just leave the house and you go and you speak evil about the person. Or you go out and speak wrong things about other people. You defame them and you seek to destroy their reputations. And then the worst thing of all is it can turn into malice where you literally are plotting or wishing evil on somebody else. And God says, no, don't, no, 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 no. Let me. Let the Holy Spirit come upon you to put off all this bitterness. Let me wash it off of you. How does God wash this off of us? We confess it. We tell him we know we're wrong. We ask him for forgiveness. What does God do? He forgives us. What does God want us to put on? Forgiveness. Put on forgiveness. Verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other. Just as in Christ God forgave you. Be forgiving to each other. It literally means act out grace. Act out grace. Just as God gave us his grace, act it out to other people as well. Be kind and compassionate. Have deep feelings of sympathy for other people. Love them as God loves you. God forgave us. He's compassionate to us. Let us be compassionate to other people. In Titus chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, 
Paul says, or Paul says, but when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, when did that happen? When Jesus came into this world. What did he do? He saved us. How? Not by any righteous things we had done. But because of his mercy, he was kind. He gave us the clothes. He gave us forgiveness. He gave us the love. He gave us the hope. He gives us the power to do these things. I want you just to look back at these five areas and just choose one that you know that you need to work on this week. Just just think about that. Which one do you need to work on? Is it, is it falsehood or do you need to be working on truthfulness? Is it anger? Do you need to be working on gentleness? Is it stealing? Do you need to be working on generosity? Is it really bad words? Do you need to work on edifying other people through your words? Is it bitterness? Are you mad at somebody? Do you need to forgive them? Think about that now. Hold that now. Practice that this week. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and your kindness and your goodness. And that you give us a whole wardrobe of new clothes. Father, I pray that as we we think about these clothes that you give to us, that we would put them on. When we think about the things that you want us to take off, falsehood, anger, stealing, corrupt words and bitterness, we'll take them off. But when we think of the things that you want us to put on, truthfulness, gentleness, generosity, edifying speech, and forgiveness, Lord, Lord, help us to do those things. Help us to put on the clothes of Christ so that when other people see us, they see you. Lord, help us to reflect you to others in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We continue worshiping the Lord together and bringing back to God. We ask Ash just to come forward. And, and if you want to drop that little purple slip, <clears throat> welcome card in. As it's going by, you can. We would appreciate hearing from you and praying for you, lifting up your prayer.
like you to look around you right now and um, find a mom. Find a mom. And um, if kids, if youth here, go find your mom if she's here. Right? Go be with your mom. Everybody find a mom. And um, we're going to pray. Okay, so I'd like you to just sort of reach out and um, bless them. You can either just reach your hand out towards them or you can put your hand on their shoulder. Okay, just guess we say like uh, hug a mom right now, right? Love a mom. And I want to pray for our moms. Lord, um, you love us so much that you gave us moms to show us what love is like. Lord, they, they gave us physical life but more than that, Father, they taught us about life. And in that, Father, they added life to us. Lord, we don't know how much our moms hurt when we hurt. But ever since we were inside of them, they've been a part of us as we are always a part of them. So, Lord, help us to honor our moms today. Remembering that they have sacrificed in ways we will probably never know because they love us so much. And their heart, Lord, is like your heart. Their heart is to give and to sacrifice with a willingness to die that we might live. Father, this is who you are. You're a God of all grace. And you gave us Jesus.
to show us your love. That you would die for us so that we could live. That you would come to earth for us so that we could go to heaven. So, Father, we praise you for your love for us. We thank you for your gift of Jesus. And we ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit to live out this week the life you made us to live. And now, may the grace of God and may the God of peace, who through the blood of the covenant that is eternal, that brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And if it's appropriate, you may hug or kiss your mom.